Hey everybody, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. First of all, I want to give a shout out to our main sponsors, Rising Suns, the award-winning brewery in Cork. If you're around Cork City, be sure to pop in for a pint. Have you been in there at all, Ross, since you're a local? I have been in there once or twice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. Lovely. Great. So this episode, I'm delighted to say, is all about tattoos, art and metal. And I'm honoured to welcome Marvin Silva, all the way from... Are you in New York? Would I'm in be... New York. Oh, cool. Yes, okay. I am. Okay. And Ross Daly, who's the local. Welcome, Ross. How's it going? Yeah. Are you looking forward to this? We'll see where it's going to bring us, man. Yeah. All I right. was uh, doing a bit of old research on metal now. I was preparing myself last night by watching uh, Machine Head Live with Dynamo in 95. Uh, <laughs> oh, you were? I was. Fucking Better than I remember, actually. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think they're one of those bands that, you know, you get into and stuff and then it's no more than Metallica. You just reach a point where you just go, hmm, not into them anymore, or, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the first, for me, the first kind of three albums. Absolutely. And then I dipped back in again when The Blackening came out. That, that kind of brought me back in for a while. But, I mean, their musicianship alone is just fucking outstanding, yeah, it is, isn't it? Marv, are you, would you be a Machine Head fan at the start? Or? You know what, to be honest, I never got into Machine Head. I heard them, I just never really got into them. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, all throughout high school, I uh, just listened to mostly extreme metal, you know, right. black metal, death metal, and I kind of just was blindsided by everything, you know, by that, and didn't pay attention to much of everything. Yeah. Of My detriment, they- because... I wish I did no more. Do you know what? I probably would be guilty of that as well, Marvin, to be yeah. fair. You know, um, <laughs> I, I missed the initial Machine Head buzz, but as Ross said there, The Blackening was fucking some album. Yeah. Yeah, it's savage. Yeah, okay. it is. Like, it, I think Machine Head, you can't not appreciate the, mis- the musicianship of Machine Head. Like, like yeah. uh, what's his name? Rob Flynn is a fucking genius. Like, he's a, a far, genius, like, but he's a dick as well. Like. Yeah, he's a bit of a we have loads to cover, but I just want to find out how the friendship started between yourself and Marvin. Okay. Marvin, do you want to take that? Well, uh, Ross did a guest spot at the shop that I used to work at here in uh, Long Island, New York. Okay. And we did we even meet Ross? We uh, we worked. Yeah, I know. You were working at one end of the studio and I was working at the other. We kind were of, working. We, yeah, we, we were both working, but... Uh, I think that, I think Leanne might have been, have been in between the two of us, and we were just busy. But I'm sure we, we said hello, and then we kind of got to know each other online after that. Like, right, right. And I pointed you towards the yeah. beach, right, where, where you exactly, were staying. Yeah. At, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. And then you came over, and you came over to was it the UK? You came over to the UK for a convention, and you, you and Shane came over to us and guest yep. in our studio. Yeah, well, guest spot ever, but you came over anyway. It was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marvin, so you were in Ireland, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I visited. I always wanted to visit, and I found out that Ross is from Ireland. So I'm like, that's my ticket. Wow, <laughs> excellent stuff. And where were you originally born, Marv? I was originally born in the Philippines. Philippines, okay. Yeah, yeah. And when did and, you move uh, across then? Uh when I was 14. Okay. okay. I moved and over. Had you a healthy interest in art at that stage? Oh yes, absolutely. I would say uh, maybe an unhealthy relationship with art. <laughs> There's not, not healthy about art, man. Drawing and not paying attention to class. <laughs> Excellent. 
Netflix and stuff. So then you settled in America, is it? And what part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I man, I settled in New York. Okay. And then once I've I've rooted myself here in New York, it's hard, kind of hard to leave. Man, do you know what? I was only over New York last weekend. Oh, you really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It okay. was amazing. My first time being now, I've been to uh, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, plenty of other places in around America, but never to New York. And it just blew me away, man. Yeah. You it's know? pretty crazy. <laughs> it is. And you know what? The craziness for me, it didn't matter as such. Uh-huh. I, I enjoyed it. I, I loved it. We were only over there for four days. It was just too short, actually. Yeah. And Did you get any gigs in on your own or It was a kind of family holiday, but I had everything picked out in case I was sidetracked accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <But> unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't I didn't get Danning, but I did get the Dove Spare Man, and that was just amazing. Okay. In Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's a good metaphor. Yeah, since we're on about art, man, the f- that place is just a temple to art, especially heavy right. metal art. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah and, like a- and Ross, so you've been back and forth to America how many times, my man? Uh, oh, I worked I, did, I worked over in New York. Um, God, I can't even remember when it was. It was a good few years ago. But I've also gone over working in California. I did a music a tattoo festival in California called Music. Okay. It's uh, run by um. Oh, what's his name? Your man who the drummer from Blink One Eighty Two. Um, mm. I can't remember his name, but he organises it. And the reason I went there was because Deftones were one of the bands playing at it. Okay. So I tattooed it. I tattooed on the same bill as Deftones. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, and I love the connection as well between. And we'll all take a delve into it. We might as well do it. Maybe now, even the connection between heavy metal and art and your your profession mm-hmm. certainly as well i suppose maybe from my point of view my first kind of inkling in relation to uh, tattoos and stuff would be the bands that i was following i suppose slayer sepultura all those bands they all were inked up by paul boot they were yep of course as you know well ross the only where we'd have any connection with the American scene, especially in relation to tattoos and pictures and stuff was through Metal Hammer and Kerrang! And and seeing these lads sporting this amazing artwork. Would that be something that you, as a teenager growing up, Ross, would would that have been inspiring for you, looking at Paul Boots work? We'll just take him, for example. 100%. Like, um, I've been tattooed in Paul Boots' studio for that very reason. Like, I got that, not by Paul Boots, but I got tattooed in Last Straits in New York because I was like, No way! 100%. Yeah, yeah. I got tattooed by a guy called Toxic from the Swiss guy. But, um, yeah, like, I remember Kerrang! probably mid to late 90s when they did Tattoo the Planet. And it was Paul Boots. That was a festival, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was in co- it was in conjunction with Paul Boot. So I remember okay. seeing Paul Boot and seeing like he did all Kerry King's tattoos. Yeah. He did like yep. um, Phil Anselmo. I remember I have a photograph. I have it somewhere still from Kerrang of Phil Anselmo being tattooed by Paul Boot in the original Last Rites, and he's yeah. reading a book, looking all kind of looking all kind of booky. <laughs> I, I know that I picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. it's fucking rock and roll. That's but, iconic. And, um, yeah, it totally is. And what's his name? Max Cavalera got tattooed there. So, like, I was completely and utterly just like. And also, actually, mentioned Machine Head. Logan made her tattoo. Like, one of the first tattoos that I saw, and it was in Kerrang. I, I, I had it stuck on my wall. It was Logan Mader's chest. It's kind of like a biomech. He's got like a pair of eyes that are kind of melting off his chest. And that was one of the first tattoos that I remember 
saving and going, this is seriously fucking cool. So, like, for me, it's always been intrinsically linked. Like, the two completely go hand in hand, always have for me. Like. Yeah. Marv, yeah. would you be the same? I would feel exactly the same. The All the album covers that I used to look at, uh, they all had tattoos. You know, it's a part of the look that yeah. drew me in with yes. the music. Especially with the more extreme acts. I mean, the likes of Obituary, um, oh, yeah. even Celtic Frost, you know, all them. Ed Repka stuff with Debt that you're sporting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Demo Borgir, Dark Funeral, they all sleep by, I think, the people from Dark Funeral got tattooed by Paul Booth as well. Uh, yeah, Paul Booth was a good everybody. <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy to go to. <laughs> yeah. I remember like being um, in my teens, you know, because you, you would have that amount of time just in your own room, just trying to draw these album covers and mm-hmm. replicate, you know, what you were seeing. Obviously, you never you never could probably get it right because you didn't have the exact inks and everything that these lads had access to. How did both of you know, we'll say, that a career could be possible in that? Was there some switch went off in your head that went, oh man, maybe I can actually do this full time? Because it's not an obvious profession back when we were, we'll say, going to school and stuff. Certainly not in Ireland anyway, Marvin. Uh, maybe you could take that first, Marvin, and I'll throw it on to Ross then. Oh yeah, actually, I, I didn't pursue tattooing. It, it kind of just, like most of my artist friends, fell on my lap. Okay. I was going to school. I was actually one semester away from getting my bachelor's degree in business management and audio production, okay. which was not my passion. Right. I just wanted to be around music, you know, okay. but it happened to be a jazz music school. But I also at the same year bought a cheap setup. I'm sad to say off of eBay. <laughs> it's, it's just a tattoo, tattoo myself, you know? <laughs> And then I became obsessed with tattooing in general. That's all I thought about, right? To, to a point where I ended up cutting class and I was tattooing my friends in dorm rooms. What? Are you serious? Yeah. What age? I was 18, 19. And then around when I was 21, I decided to leave school and pursue tattooing and then got an apprenticeship. And then all those people in the shop were all rock and rollers, punk rockers. And I was like, these are my my people. Yes. You found your tribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What year did you start? What year did you get that machine, Mer? To 2004. Wow. That was me. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah same year. Yeah, you same too? Year, yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, 2004. <laughs> yeah, 2004. My, my mom was not pleased. Of course. <laughs> and see, this is the whole thing because like tattooing isn't your average job obviously um but it's the passion and like uh, you could always maybe push aside a parent just saying oh it's art and that i want to study art and you know but like there was a lot of probably conflict in your house in relation to where you were at the time marvin in taking that leap of faith and trusting your skills to jump at this profession yeah did it cause um... a lot of tension at home no it was more uh it it honestly felt natural to just jump in and kind of ask for apologies later (laughs) i I didn't even tell my parents that i didn't sign up for the last semester of school until they were like oh yeah are you all set for you know for your school and everything you did you get your classes in order and i was like about that i uh i didn't sign up (laughs) 
Oh Dude, man. What? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. But that- um, fortunately, I had very supportive parents. Good. They knew I wasn't a stupid guy. I wasn't just going to drop what I worked hard for just for something else. Yeah. You know, that wasn't going to really uh, evolve into something bigger. I felt it more in my gut than anything. I had no plans. I just knew it felt right. Okay. Okay. Ross, Ireland was very different back then. Yeah. Certainly going into profession as a tattooist probably would have been frowned upon in a lot of ways yeah. maybe you could just talk about your own journey up to a certain point we'll say from school onwards uh, well I, I i went to uh, school in middleton for the brothers and i was doing i actually john i did i, I was a chef and um, i studied to be a chef and okay. I, I was just it was an after school job and i was all right with it, so i was like how can i just do this and go to college and become a chef right and all the while i was doing that i was playing in metal bands and um, I was drawing constantly, designing kind of album covers and T-shirts and just, you know, I was interested in all that. But I uh, I was working in the meeting place in Middleton. Oh, yeah, like great spot. Kind of popular venue and I would have been playing gigs there and all that kind of stuff. And I hung around with a lot of bikers because it was a meeting place yes. who all had tattoos and were all into that. So I was kind of just becoming intrinsically linked with this kind of, you know, cultish kind of at the time <laughs> underground kind of society but uh, I had a buddy who was like heavily tattooed and even like back then you know he, there weren't that many people who were heavily tattooed but no there weren't actually yeah yeah and he said look Marvin Sons of Anarchy that show yeah, yeah I never watched it but I I, um, I know that you know the thing okay so we had our own miniature Sons <laughs> of Anarchy okay. in this small town Middleton where Jameson is there was always these bikes and bikers uh-huh, yeah. in there. That's what Ross is on about there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm very rock and roll. But yeah, one of my buddies, he just said, "Look, you should be a tattoo artist." He was like, "You're you're really good at drawing. I've seen your artwork. Why don't you become a tattoo artist?" And that was the first time I was like, "Gosh, I think I could." I was 17. I was still in college, and I kind of dabbled yeah, for a so while. Young. Yeah, I was a baby, but um, I dabbled for a while, and nothing came to fruition there. The tattoo artist who kind of let me hang out at his studio. He fucked off to Sweden, I think. I, I remember turning up with his studio one, like, after college, I used to hitchhike down to another co- town called Yall. And That's I just got out from. and hang out. Oh, yeah, there you go. And he basically just wasn't there one day. It was like a closed sign. I was like, oh, fuck it, that's it. I'm not going to be a tattoo artist. So I went off, finished my chefing. And nice. then I was offered uh, an opportunity to put my designs into the studio in Middleton. Dennis Benny, a dude from Middleton, who was running the studio as a biker and had a tattoo or but kind of like a patron of the arts. And he just said, look, do you want to give it a go? And he bought me my first tattoo machines. And I was lucky enough, there was there was some great artists working in the studio. So I started immediately with an apprenticeship. Like, so I was haunted. Like, I was really lucky. It was just the right place, right time. Like. The guys that, that you served an apprenticeship with, Ross, are uh, any of them still doing tattoos? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the lady, it was actually a lady who taught me a tattoo. Karen Russell is her name. She okay. doesn't tattoo anymore. She's mm-hmm. from uh, she's from Whitegate. But Karen had a studio in Dublin called Sacred Art, which was kind of arguably one of the first proper custom tattoo studios in Ireland, like okay. doing proper, like really serious tattoo artwork, you know, custom right. Japanese work and old okay. school and all that kind of stuff. And she happened to just move back down to East Cork just when I was looking to learn. So I kind of got this apprenticeship under Karen 
not realizing who she was. She was going to tattoo royalty, like in Ireland right. anyway, for sure. Okay. She'd learned. She started uh, actually learning over in San Diego, in, in California, wow. way back, way back in the day. Like, so she doesn't tattoo anymore. She paints basically full time now, and um, is just a man, you know. Yeah. Um, but there was another guy, Raul, who was working there. He works in, I think he's in Austria. The last time I checked. Okay. Well, the studio as well. but yeah, yeah. So a lot of talented people, I would say, it wasn't a kind of a community that would have got a lot of publicity or anything like that. I'd say it, Ross, it was predominantly word of mouth or seeing lads with sleeves. Or I love that. Would that have been the case at that stage, Ross? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, okay. totally. Like, I mean, even the idea—if I think back to now when I started tattooing, the concept of the likes of social media and stuff like that was just so far removed from what we were doing. Like we were making tattoos. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have photocopiers. We didn't have any of that shit. It was just drawing, making tattoos. And you had to hope that you maybe would get a tattoo in a magazine or you maybe get to work at a convention. And it was just word of mouth. People saw your art walking around and that's how you do it. You know, it was totally, and it was, it was like, it was kind of still underground. Like it wasn't like definitely underground. That was like, you know, they weren't, they weren't all crims, but like, there was a lot. It was some dodgy fuckers getting tattooed. Like. <laughs> that was magical, though, right? That's where the magic was. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was class. Right? I loved it. <laughs> Absolutely. Marv, only well, the crazy ones would dive in. Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, Marvel, maybe just talk about your apprenticeship and, and who was, we'll say, an inspiration, or were there people that you were hearing about, for example? Or reading in, in magazines, kind of going, oh, there's a convention that I could go meet these people or whatever. Just, just. yeah. Um, the first names that I actually <clears throat> heard were Paul Booth, Guy Atchison, Philip Lou. Those were my top three idols back then, and they still remain up there for me. Okay. And because they're um, they were the only ones that I saw all the time in tattoo magazines, mostly that drew my attention. Paul Booth naturally because of the dark images. Yeah associated with heavy music and uh, that drew me in and from there obviously uh, the more i learned about tattooing the more i learned to appreciate certain styles and tattooing and then it actually opened more things for me artistically i started to paint i started to look at other forms of art uh, pinstriping in cars <laughs> every uh, all these things that that tattooing glued together okay yeah because that, that's a side people wouldn't obviously think about um, yeah, you know, great. just the offshoots of, we'd say, tattooing as such, you know, that other connections to art, we'd mm -hmm. say, as in customizing bikes or maybe designing artwork for uh, albums or yeah, even, right. as you said, cars and stuff. Cars, fl flyers. I used to like the back then people used to put flyers for shows. Okay. On, on billboards and everything. <laughs> now it's just evites, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, I miss all that shit. <laughs> I miss that too. <laughs> yeah. We'll say for both of you, was there one moment in particular that changed the whole way we'll say people looked at G as a tattoo artist? Maybe there wasn't. Maybe it was just a slow build up. Or is there any standout moments for both of you that maybe, for example, your art was shown on a magazine or something like that? Ross, what about you? Um, I don't know, really. There was gradual process, I think. Yeah. I, well, as far as how people looked at us tattooers in general, I would say there was a massive sea change when um, Miami Ink was on, on the TV. Yeah. That just okay. 
I don't know if I'm ever noticed it, but it was almost overnight. Yeah. It changed the game entirely. Yeah. People were coming into the studios, regular girls were coming into the studios, men's, you know, and they yeah. were like, they had like, they had the terminology. Like they, they were asking for sleeves and half sleeves and they were saying black and grey. And like they, were, they just knew <laughs> shit. You'd only learn if you, you were working in a tattoo <laughs> or if you were watching Miami Inc. And yeah. that to me was like a huge thing. And it did change the way people, in general, regular people would even would look at you, look at your what you do. You know, we're definitely yeah. we were suddenly more more kind of accepted, like, and it got a little bit less metal, which kind of annoyed me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It got a little bit more commercialized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would you agree with that, Marv? General, definitely, uh, Miami Inc. I remember being an apprentice and watching that show on on TV and really studying every episode, trying to get whatever I can out of it. That's... Minus drama and stuff, but I watched all that. I soaked all that stuff in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, for something like that, again, like I can't overstate it enough, Marvin, that in Ireland, like it's just such a such a different culture in relation to tattoos and stuff at that stage when Ross was setting out and Miami Inc. brought that cultural change, you know, it brought it into the mainstream and it got a lot of positive attention okay. from the public oh. because... You know, people in Ireland certainly would have frowned on a lot of people and would have avoided people that would have had tattoo sleeves or tribal tattoos mm-hmm. and stuff, you know. And suddenly you had the likes of teachers, as Ross said, you know, politicians coming in, getting tattoos just because of a show, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I tattoo lawyers. I tattoo <laughs> nurses, doctors. <laughs> the first person I tattooed when I was in America, actually, was a lawyer. She was a lawyer and a judge. A lawyer and a judge. Yeah, I remember. I actually remember it was in it was in your studio in in, um oh uh, Empire and um she while I was setting up she was on the phone to a client or something and she chewed them out like I mean she ate them and I was (laughs) terrified. I was like, imagine if you fucked up an artist. I know. I said to her, I was like, Jesus, you're scared of shit over here. Like, (laughs) she turned out to be lovely. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's just that the US has such a tattoo culture, Marvin, hasn't it really, to be fair? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It really does. Well, didn't uh, Ami James open a shop in Cork? Yeah, it did. Yeah, I met him in Cork. I was there. I was at the opening. He's lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's still there? Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think he has five studios around the world, and one of them is in Cork. What? Weirdly. <laughs> He loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a nice dude. He's a nice dude. Very so, cool. So I'm just going to throw stuff at you here. What was the, I won't say famous or whatever like that, but maybe a well-known person that got a tattoo and gave you a big compliment, we'll say, and it kind of inspired you maybe to think, oh, this is a sign that some dude loves my work or woman or something like loves him. Or was there any of those moments for you? Um, for me, I remember uh, there's a guy called Char- Charlie Horman. He's a he's a friend of mine, really good tattooer. He's a Spanish dude. He's I think he works in Austin, Texas now, but he had a studio in Valencia. Okay. And Charlie, uh, Charlie started tattooing a few years after I did. But he's a like if you look him up on Instagram, he's a, he's a genius. Like, okay. and he mentioned me as one of his influences in a magazine. We were working at a convention years ago, and. I think I won an award and he was there and he saw that I won an award. But then, and we were like, we're buddies, like, yeah. but 
I read an article then, he had an article in some big tattoo magazine, I can't remember which one it was, but he put me down as one of his influences. And I was like, fucking hell, wow. <laughs> cool. real. I, for me, it's, it's like, it's not somebody who's famous, it's just my peers. If somebody like, if, or, or if we only have friends who's a tattoo artist wants you to tattoo them, that always, first of all, scares the crap out of me because they know what you're doing. Yeah, but it's a, it's a massive compliment. Like that to me is a huge compliment. Yeah, that perfect. Yeah, that's a great example. Marvin, have you something like that? I tattooed. Uh, I would say the most. I don't really get to tattoo a lot of uh, famous people, you know. But I would say I tattooed Frankie, the singer from Immure, Frankie Paul Mary, and oh yeah. At, at the time when I was tattooing him, he goes, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow you up. Let, let me. Do you have a Twitter account?" And I'm like, man, I don't have Twitter. I, I had Instagram and it was like new, you know, and he yeah. didn't have Instagram. So he, he couldn't promote me. <laughs> yeah, he got, he got, you know, and so every time I see pictures of him on stage and I see the tattoo that I did, I was like, there it is. <laughs> oh, my boss, that, that you did, Marv. I did uh, Vega from Street Fighter. Oh, wow. Oh, you're serious. <laughs> Jesus, class. Apparently he's a big Street Fighter fan. Okay. I think Marvin Ross was saying, did you take part in uh, Ink Master? I did. The show. Yeah, I did. Yep. I okay, did. So uh, what was I, that experience like? You know, it was stressful while it was happening. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really quite sure because I didn't, I only watched the first season of it. And then I, I joined season nine. So there were eight other seasons okay. before me. And I didn't know that the show had evolved. But right. looking back, it was fun. I, right. I, I liked being working on nervous like that. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah I, I've performed well. <laughs> Dave Navarro was head of that for a while. I, I don't know, was he there yeah. when you were doing it? He was. Was he really? He was one of the judges, yeah. Wow, so did you get a chance to meet him? He's one yeah, of my yeah. heroes, like Jane's Addiction, for fuck's oh, sake. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the whole time I kept, every time I look at him, I just see Jane's Addiction instead of a tattoo judge, you know? <laughs> and was he a nice dude, yeah? He was. He was a very nice guy. He was a sweet guy. Wow. That's I mean, he, he's a total rock star. Oh, of course. Yeah. You can't you, get that. I, that I would away. have been disappointed if you didn't say that. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's some amazing um, ink done as well, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Who would have done a lot of his ink? Could you even guess? Or I, cu I couldn't guess. Yeah. I couldn't guess. yeah he, he had them all over. Uh, little yeah. ones, big ones. He had tribal armbands from the 90s. He had it. He had it all. <laughs> yeah, he, he would be a good ambassador for that scene. Uh, yep. I, I do remember it. seeing his dressing room, though, which was interesting. Go on, yeah. To all the judges' uh, dressing rooms, the you know the tattooers' dressing rooms were like skateboards and and punk rock albums and stuff like that. His his dressing room consisted of just guitars, candelabras, and painted <laughs> black. <laughs> Brilliant. It was pretty cool. <laughs> like working under that stress, people are competing against you. Just kind of give us a format to the show. I just come up with an idea and then tattoo that on somebody. Or... So they, they, they sprung up the ideas on us. No, okay. no, no um, warning or anything they gave us. So you meet your, your client for the day. Right. You meet that, you meet that person within minutes of tattooing them practically wow. and then yeah you, you kind of just have to think on your feet and they gave us a total of three hours to draw and and compose the, their designs and then six hours total to 
to tattoo it. Well, was it three hours? It was three hours you got for prep. So I was wondering how long you got. For yeah, three hours, and that included lunch. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Man. So so some days I had to pick between continuing to draw or eat, and if I don't uh, eat lunch, I don't eat for another twelve hours after that. <laughs> yeah. So there oh, were times because I did the show with Tommy. There were times I that I was drawing. I'd be drawing, and then he would be feeding me French fries. You know. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was good fun. It was fun. Yeah, looking, looking back. I'm sure definitely what you can take from that certainly improved you 100%, I'd say. It improved my decision-making and what's important in the tattoo and what will not necessarily rush and make the process quicker, but more efficient uh, way of working. Right, okay. You know, like take away bells and whistles and only keep what's necessary to make a successful tattoo. And so, how how about the dynamic between yourself and the customer, maybe on the show, uh, and then how you approached it afterwards? Was there any change in that? Um, yeah, we kind of kept as far as the dynamic of the the customers and uh, and us. We I told we told them to, for a second, try to ignore the cameras okay. and and the production crew, and let's just focus on making a cool tattoo and and be on the same page. Yes. And then once we settle, because sometimes the hardest part is settling down on a design for the person. Okay. And once they understand that your main goal is to give them the best tattoo that you can within a lot of time, yeah. then they trust you. And then you just go for it and you just tattoo, you know, okay. and they want to sit well for you at the same time. Because I feel like a lot of the people <clears throat> that fail to uh, communicate with their, their clients they don't have that relationship. They don't have that trust. Yes. And that's important. Mm, absolutely. You know, I would you're say not just, out there even just, from an outsider looking in, I would imagine that is vitally important. It's very important. Yeah. Very important. If they don't trust you, they're, they're, they're yeah, not going to say that. The giant part of tattooing. Your ability yeah, it's, to, it's team, absolutely. It's teamwork. Communicate with your customers. It's massive. Yeah. 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 Now, Ross, is there any truth to the rumor that you enjoy singing while tattooing people? <laughs> I do. <laughs> do you think that puts yeah. them at ease? I think that puts some of them at ease, but not all of them. <laughs> Talk to me about building the dynamic, Ross, between you and the customers. At what stage did you find it vital to incorporate that into the whole immersive experience of getting a tattoo? Would you bring that? experience sent to conventions and stuff what singing well singing as well man <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i like i just i don't know what it is i think you, you can either communicate with people effectively and get on with people or you can't and i think that the tattooers not always but the tattooers who thrive generally are just at ease around people because you know you just have to be and if you're not i know tattooers who are brilliant at tattooing but aren't great with people you're just not at ease around people all the time and it can be a struggle like because you know your, your client is sitting with you for hours it's like conventions again you know, if, if you're not comfortable at a convention conventions are difficult to tattoo at anyway because you're out of your comfort zone you're in you could, you could be in a hall you've never been in before it could be a little bit too dark it could be a little bit too hot it could be a little bit too cold there's loads of other factors there's loads of people around your customer might be nervous it might be their first time being tattooed and then they're in front of hundreds of people while they're being tattooed. So you have to be kind of, you got to be kind of a bit of a black belt and just dealing with that kind of shit. Like you got to be able to absolutely 
make it so that if you're at a convention, you might have, you, you want them to feel like they're not at a convention if they don't want to be that. Yes. It's just you and them. When you're, when you're sitting down, it's just you and them and everything else around you is just buzz, you know? Yeah. But you do, like, generally you figure it out as you go along. Like, um, but sometimes people react, like, tattooers talk amongst themselves about how we can make this experience better for ourselves and for our customers, like, you know? Yeah. Marvin, would you participate in much conventions? I do. I actually do uh, uh, about five to six a year. Okay. Now, yep. now having a baby in the house, uh, it's, it's slowed down a bit, but I'm actually doing a convention next week and the weekend after that. Okay. And do you enjoy that pressure situation? I do. Sometimes um, I, I need my dose of it, but um, I'm generally a, a, a recluse. Being an artist, I spend a lot of time alone with my own thoughts and my art. So once in a while, I need that, that balance of chaos. Yeah. And I just and I just go out there and I talk to people. But uh, by the end of the weekend, I'm exhausted. I'm mm. sure Ross knows that. It's exhausting talking. and. Oh, yeah, it's shattering. It really is. It's brilliant crack. Like Christ, you're wrecked with him. Like you're Long dying. hours. Yeah, your neck, your back, sitting on those chairs. Yeah. Yeah, your liver. But then you sign up every year. <laughs> <laughs> and what, for example, would be the benefits, apart from obviously getting your name out there as well? Can you make a lot of money in these conventions, for example, or is it more important just to just to get your name out there? Or is there other things that people might know about tattoos and conventions in relation to how each guy approaches it? Or yeah, for me, it's networking. It's okay, not, I don't do it to make money. I do it because. First of all, if you go to a convention abroad, you're going on holidays. It's like a working holiday. Brilliant, right? You meet all these new people. Like, if I hadn't met Marvin at a, a studio, I probably could have met him at a convention. And you just hit it off with certain people, and then they might come to your studio. You go to their studio. You right. and you learn stuff. Like you learn little tricks, little things. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just the social for me. Like, I, I, I'd be the first to admit it. I like, I like going to conventions because they're. They're brilliant fun. Like at the end of the evening, you're, everyone's having drinks and having chats and go for food together and just talk about tattoos because we love talking about tattoos. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's that's uh, what I get from it too, is networking and traveling, being being able to see parts of the world that I wouldn't otherwise get to see. Okay. Okay. Actually, I got my tattoo at a convention in Middleton, Ross. Oh, yeah, it was an Italian artist uh, did it for me. I think he was based up in a Temple Bard opposite. What's that records shop? Comet Records. It used to be Comet Records. Do you know where that was? Yeah, in? I know. In fact, I think that that's the studio that Karen, the lady who got me statue, she used to own that studio and it was taken over by him. What's his name? God. I know the guy you're talking about. I know really? Yeah, know he's an Italian. Yeah. Yeah, lovely dude, yeah. Yeah, yeah, spot on. He was down in Middleton. Again, Marvin, Middleton has a tattoo festival every year. I'm sure Ross is involved in it to some capacity. Yep, I've, I've heard of it. I've worked with it a million times, but it's Dennis, the guy who taught me, or who gave me my apprenticeship, he's the guy who runs the place. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, that, was, that was where I first got my tattoo, yeah. A seahorse with a Celtic weave running through it because, I mean, I'm from Yard, which is seaside town, and I thought the seahorse and the Celtic weave would work well. I had yeah. found the design, would you believe, in some seaside town in down in West Cork, Ross. It was a postcard. Oh, yeah. I don't know who the artist was or whatever like that. And I just went, oh, my God, that's such a beautiful postcard. And I went, 
that actually would work as a tattoo. So I just kept it then. And I knew the Middleton Tattoo Festival was coming up in the next few months. So I brought it with me and done and dusted. <laughs> yeah, so with tattoos, it's like art. Everybody has an opinion on them. And let's talk about the tattooist when they're on holidays. Baudivy, when you go to a seaside resort, ye are subjected. There's a barrage of oh fucking bodies with tattoos on them. <laughs> Is it hard not to judge? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, you see some shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what are the worst offenders? Come on, let's let's have let's have a bit of fun here. Well, when you're on vacation and you're walking around in the pool with a cocktail, and I learn not to make eye contact because every time I do, they're looking right at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's your own paranoia, Marvin. Yeah, maybe it is. It so is. I, I've over the years I've learned to tell myself to just embrace it all. <laughs> and, <laughs> It's when somebody comes up to you at a bar or something and shows you a tattoo that they love and it's absolutely like the worst tattoo you've ever seen and you have to try to it's like it's like if a band is terrible and they come off stage like you know a local band or whatever and you have to go up to them and you know one of them or something and you have to say something yeah. you have to go yeah. God, you were you were loud, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. But certainly a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been at a wedding. I've been at a wedding and somebody found out I was a tattoo artist and the guy literally stripped his pants down so he could show me. It became a consultation at the middle of a, a wedding. I was like, this is not the right place. Fucking <laughs> hell, man. I love it when somebody shows you their a piece of their arm that they want to get tattooed on. There's nothing on it. So they're just showing you their fucking arm. Like, you know what your arm looks like. Your arm looks like. I'm putting you on the spot there, but like, let's just say what was the worst tattoo. But I'm sure there's one or two in particular. You just went, is that a dog or is it a fucking human or what? <laughs> and even stand out in particular that just went, oh, my God, this person just what the fuck? Like, oh, I think yeah, I know I there's countless ones, but there, there's one for me in particular. Oh, yeah? Now, it's possible, Ross, that you could have had something to do with this in uh, relation <laughs> to in relation to the concept, maybe. And it was, uh-huh. to be fair, right, and let's, let's all agree on modern art. Sometimes it looks better from a distance or sometimes it looks better close up. So I was in a bar, Marvin, and it was just, Saturday night, it was busy. It was a, a private party. And this girl had a, a backless dress, basically. And from the distance, it looked like somebody threw this circular ball of ink and it splattered on her back. <laughs> kind of went off at different angles. And I was just going, what the fuck? Jesus Christ, is that a tattoo? Or, is, or did, did somebody fucking throw something at her? I couldn't leave it rest. I couldn't. I just had to. I had to go over. And, oh, no. And what it was, Ross, apologies if you did have anything to do with it, because obviously it's only up the, down the road from Middleton. But what it was, was a fucking bagpipe. Oh, yeah, no. I never did a bagpipe. I can state that for the record. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So you're not. But that's what, do you know what a bagpipe is, Marvin, do you? I'm sorry? 
Do you know what a bagpipe is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love the sound of a well, well played bagpipe. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So this girl had a fucking full on bagpipe tattooed over the whole of her back, and you know the way it kind of moves right, out. Right. Like like, the, the, the pipe. That's, so that's what it was. But I was looking oh, at so. it from from the from the distance, and I was just going. What the fuck? <laughs> and it was only when I moved in close I realized then it was a full on bagpipe. Oh man. Oh poor girl. <laughs> it looked like a Jackson Pollock. I did a I did a, a tattoo of Jesus sitting on a wooden chair playing the Bowron. My God. You gotta think on your feet sometimes. And that was specific, obviously. Oh, that was a very specific request. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marvin. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Give us one. Oh, God. I can't think of uh, something that I be. did that I'm not proud no, of. Oh, no. Jesus, not what you oh, did. Oh, tattoos that a I weird one. Yeah, weird, weird one. strange one. Oh, man. There's so many. There's so many ones that I, like you said, you got to think of the silhouette of the tattoo. If it doesn't look good, it's not going to look good either. I, I think of the silhouette. Like like you said, like the Jackson Pollock bagpipes. I haven't seen much of, uh, <laughs> most of my tattoos that I see out in the wild are bad, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. And uh, like Ross said, I just say, oh, you know, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's a tattoo, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like that, what I can say, um, sometimes I, I mean, especially in the early years of my career, looking back, because I keep all the photos of the tattoos that I've done, and I'm like, sheesh, you know? yeah. <laughs> can you move away, far, far away? Yeah. <laughs> both of you are musicians. Uh, both of you have played in a few bands, as far as I know. I know Ross certainly has. Marvin, we just maybe talk about you, uh, accomplished guitar player, yes or no? Or I used to, yeah, I used to be, I wouldn't say accomplished, but yeah, I did play for, with a band for about 12 years. I okay. played guitar right. for um, a death metal band. Cool. And we played all throughout high school, all throughout college. We played tour, uh, shows, mini tours. It was, it was great. It was great. But um, what I wanted from it, required way more push than my friends were able to do okay. so that's what i love about tattooing it's, it's a one-man show yes if i fail it's on me yeah but um i do miss hanging out with my friends and and playing mm. a lot now i just play the guitar by myself at home for my kid okay what style of music it was death metal yeah it was a uh, melodic death metal is what we called it you know, more like bands like In Flames were influences at the gates. Ah, okay. You know. You know. Yep. So yeah. that that Swedish sound. Swedish sound. Did you actually get to record anything or? Demo yeah, we did. Or... Yeah, okay. we did record uh, three albums. Wow! Give us the name of the band. Do oh, shout out. Yeah, man. yeah. The name of the band was uh, Utopia Banished. One of okay. one of the albums is up on Spotify. Somehow it ended up there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, called Night of the Black Wyvern was our first album. And the other ones were EPs that we handed out old school style, you know, just yeah. handed out at shows by hand. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Ross, <clears throat> countless bands still singing. Still singing, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was in uh, kind of three bands properly. Well, I mean, the, the third one I'm still in. 
Yeah. Um, I was in a band called 213 when I was like 1920 for about two or three years, maybe three or four years actually. Okay. Uh, it was kind of new, it was pure new metal, like it was kind of the tail end of the new metal era. Like, I'm okay. a total new metal, I love like corn and system of a down and slipknot and all that kind of stuff back in the day, like, yeah. And um, so then I, I just I actually started concentrating on tattooing a lot more, yeah. And then I was approached by Nono Presta, he's a guitarist at Cyclefly, you know, they were a pretty big rock band, yeah, in the 90s. And he asked me if I want to make a band, yeah, fucking brilliant band. And um, so I was in that falling feeling with him for about eight, uh, five or six years, I think. And we yeah. were. I was listening to Creeper actually there lately, Ross. Yeah, it's a great fucking EP. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, it was great fun actually. Yeah. I loved I loved doing that. Um, but again, like the band, like it's the same thing. Like things can fizzle just because everybody's busy and everyone has mm. busy lives, and if it's not your job, it's just hard. Like, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, no, no. You know, we're in a band called Strafe, and it's it's not metal. Boom, <laughs> shock horror. Um, it's the first time I've been in a non-metal band. There, there's, there's definitely elements of metal in it. Like there's, there's bits and pieces. There's one or two screens in it. Like, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, I don't know what it is really. It's just music. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I still love, I still love playing live. We've got another gig coming up soon, in May in uh, the pub. And uh, yeah, I still absolutely love playing gigs and I love recording music. It's just, and that band is Strafe. Yeah, Strafe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're on Spotify as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to checking you out, man. It's going good for you in so far as that, like you sold out the the Sea Church, Sea Church, yeah, mm-hmm. Ballycotton, yeah. yeah, and and do you know what, man? <laughs> I'll give you credit because it's not obviously, as you said, your influences are there. Like there's Corn, uh, Limp Biscuit, and they're all your influences, and and what you're singing now is a completely different thing, but. Totally. As a singer, fair folks to you, man. You have the vocal cords to do it, man. So it's 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 great that you're getting that other side of you, that other creative side of you out, out of you, man. Be it through lyrics and expressing yourself again through music. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Cheers. It's a last scenario. Do you think that's important for you as a person to have another outlet for you artistically wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh for sure. It's why it's definitely therapeutic for me. Like I do it. I kind of have to do it. Like, okay. I know I, I do get creativity out of my job being a tattooer, but I don't know, I just, like, I just need to sing. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I've, I've always been a bit of a, um, I won't say exhibitionist, but I just like, I always liked performing. Like, when I was a kid, I used to do plays and stuff. I just like being on stage. I love that feeling. Like, so to not do it, I don't know, I just, I, I have to be doing it in some shape or form if I can. You know, mm-hmm. and luckily my job and my life, and my family life and stuff affords me the opportunity to be able to do it. You know, I'll be a part time, but I still get to do it. Like, it's brilliant. It really is. There's nothing like being on stage, right, Ross? Ah, you can't get that from tattooing. <laughs> you can't. I know. You can't. I know. Yeah, yeah, it's a different. I mean, if I could sing like you, I would serenade my clients too, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> What other creative things can you do as as a person that just helps you get through days? So uh, I I paint also, but I I don't get that rush that I okay. used to get from. I I need to be a, like a little bit nervous in some way. So lately, it's been oddly enough, I discovered photography. Oh, okay. Uh, but photographing uh, strangers without them seeing candid photography. <laughs> <laughs> so. Street- 
So just walk that New York is great for that. Of so course like, it is, man. Jesus. So yeah. Walk walking around and seeing scenes evolve in front of me within seconds and trying to capture it without getting caught. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this. <laughs> it's like a sport. Yeah, it is like a sport, especially in New York, because you could fucking oh, come I across, can get my ass kicked. The, like, yeah, <laughs> obviously, yeah. <laughs> so none of you have a formal art background, lads. Is that correct? Uh, no, no, I don't. Well, I did art in school, like, but I didn't go to art college. Like, yeah, fucking art in school. Come on, man. We, we both went through art in school. Load of bollocks, mm-hmm. like, really wanted. Yeah, oh, it was. It really was. I had to do art at lunchtime. We didn't even have an art teacher in our school. Yeah, I literally had to do art at lunchtime. Like, yeah, it was shite. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> that was the one biggest regret for me because uh, let's go back to looking at all those metal album covers and stuff the Iron Maidens Derek Riggs and stuff uh, drawing them I absolutely loved it and we'll say Marvin in our Irish schools I finished 1998 I'm not sure about you Ross but we'd say from from when I started school in secondary school which would probably be the equivalent to high school um, there was there wasn't even any art classes in there you know, it's fucking religion. Uh, you'd have French, biology, physics, technical drawing and stuff. There was no there was no art at all. And it was yeah. only when I got out of school, I had such regrets there that I, I, I just couldn't fucking express myself artistically wise and get get the points that I needed to go into, we'll say, college for that specific purpose. So I kind of went down the other route of going into graphic design and then I got into college uh-huh. that way, you know, but uh, very frustrating that way, Ross, wasn't it, for being a person that's artistically yeah, inclined in Ireland at back in the day anyway? Yeah, well, it depended on the school. Like, there were some schools where it was a little bit more accessible, but I, I went to CBS in Middleton and it was just like, <laughs> they laughed at me. Like they did, I think art and music were both lunchtime classes, which means they weren't really classes. Yeah. So like they just didn't shit about it. Like they were just like it was just I, I finished in ninety nine, so or around the same time and yeah, they just didn't put any emphasis on that. They just was like, Yeah, that's cute, like drawing, fair play, you know. So yeah. that's the reason I didn't end up going to Arcades, but I'm kinda of glad in the end that I didn't because um my wife Yvonne is an art teacher, she went to art college the year before I did, and she actually she came out of it brilliantly, like she's very successful, but mm. she said that for a lot of people, depending on the style of art that you were, you did, they'd kind of just drill it out here. Like if you went to a traditional, some of the traditional art colleges, they like if you had any style that was alternative of art that you're into, like street art or like tattoo art or anything like that, it would be drilled out here. So like, you know, it it might be it might have been a blessing in disguise. You know, some people it's not for everyone. Like it depends yeah. on the style that you want to do graphic design or illustration there's other there are other avenues to pursue it like you know mm. yeah. are you surprised to hear that Marvin or is it a similar enough tale it, it's similar here too they're kind of doing away with a lot of the art stuff in school as well if you want to pursue art you'd have to sign up for private school work private workshops and demos and which now I uh, I, I search them out and I sign up and I, I get my own education, but it wasn't provided really in school. Yeah. You know, we had, like you said, like, like Ross said, like lunchtime classes, no one took it seriously, but I did. I took it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It creates that animosity, doesn't it, as well, against the fucking mm-hmm. school. Oh, yeah. It's just like, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway, you know? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, Marvin, for those that haven't come across your style, how would you describe it to the viewers that are listening and watching? Um, I do mostly illustrative style tattooing. Okay. Um, I dabble in a lot of other styles like portraits and realism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I find my, I excel and I enjoy the most uh, illustrative. Okay. Yeah. Ross, similar enough or? Yeah, I, I've leaned into portraiture a lot over the last kind of, how old is my daughter? Nine years because I've got a, I've got a child and it's a lot easier to do. Uh, portraiture prep wise than it is to do illustrative stuff because there's more homework so that was one of the reasons it's not a, like it, it was kind of on purpose that I was like right I want to figure out where I can do a little bit less homework when I go home at night because any tattooer will tell you like they're they're working all day and then they go home and depending on the style you tattoo you have to go home and you might, you might have a sleeve to draw on it for the morning so you have to sit down oh, yeah. and you, you could tattoo you could be tattooing for a few hours or for the whole day then go home and be up until midnight drawing and designing sleeves so that's why I leaned into portraiture but I still do because I work in a studio in a small town where everybody was coming in the door like I, I kind of type turn my hands to a lot of styles the only style that I wouldn't really do now because there are artists in the studio I work in who do it is tribal kind of stuff and the decorative I don't really do that much but I love I love doing lettering I love doing dark Anything, anything evil looking just because of metal and shit. <laughs> I just yeah. love all that kind of stuff, horror kind of shit. And um, and I actually love doing like really bright colors as well. Always have. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. A typical average work day. What's it like for you, Marvin? So um, I start, I, I, I drive one hour to work okay. each way. So I get to work at tw- from 12 to 5 or 6 is my usual day. And I get home and I and I play full time dad until my my kid goes to bed, and then I draw for the next day. And normally I like Russ said, I'll draw till two or three in the morning. Wow, fucking! And hell. then do it all over. And is that is that involving computers as well, or is it I just... draw now? I draw on a, on a, I have a Cintiq tablet, which is, um, it's like a pad, an iPad, okay. but a, a big pad, mm-hmm. just because I like to draw with my shoulders. Okay. And I find that the iPad is mostly for my for the wrist, you know. Right. Like I do miss drawing on paper, but then if I draw something on paper and I bring it to the customer and they they make changes, it takes so long. Wow. There you so go. So with man. digital, it's quicker, you know. So it's more time efficient with time to do it digitally, and so um, yeah, I, that's that's what I do now. Um, digital everything for now. And how much time then would you set aside for, I mean, say, social media? Like you like scroll, scrolling and stuff well, like well, that. you could scroll as well and, and look <laughs> or, or research. But, just, but like trying to get your name out there. I try to uh, any any tattoos that I'm proud of that that uh, fall under the style that I enjoy a lot. I post it immediately. Okay. Um, there used to be I thought there was a, a technique in posting, but nowadays with the algorithm and everything, I really don't understand yeah. any optimal time to post anything. Yeah. So I just post whenever I finish. Okay. Yeah. And. Uh, again, would much time be set aside as well for trying to figure out appointments with customers? Is that an ongoing basis as well? 
for you? It's a, uh, yep. Yeah. So I, I, I book out uh, a few months at a time and then I close the book. So I have time for, for my family. So I, what I, when I set my, my schedule, I make sure that uh, I have set times or days off mm-hmm. for my family first. Okay. And then everybody falls or around that. Okay. That's a good insight, man. Ross, are you similar enough? Yeah, fairly similar. Um, yeah, I, I work. I work Monday to Friday now, but I don't work. I don't like regular tattoo hours are around twelve to six, twelve to seven. Kind of, I work. Um, kind of, I start at nine and finish around three or four because I've got small kids. They're both in school, and I like to see them. So yeah. I send. I drop them to school in the morning. Uh, both of my kids go to school in Middleton, so I just drive straight to Middleton. So I've, I've got like a ten minute commute, which is yeah. great. Yeah, and yeah, I work all day. Like I. Like I said, I do a lot of portraiture now, so a lot of the stencils that I make, I can do digitally. And I, there are like apps and filters that I can use, not all the time. A lot of the time I might have to make it by hand, that can take a few hours. And then I do quite a bit of freehand work, which means if my customer comes in in the morning, I will prep their arm and I literally draw straight onto their arm with, with Sharpies, like markers and stuff. I'll draw the design there and then. I might have an idea of what I'm going to do, but like if it's Japanese or if it's lettering or some horror stuff like I can just sit down and just like I might have sometimes I have reference but sometimes I just sit down and just draw I just draw straight onto their skin and then tattoo it on like I, I like I, I always learn that because um the lady who apprenticed me she did a lot of freehand work so I kind of I started that from the very beginning I was always comfortable with freehand which is handy again because it's yeah. like like homework but and then sometimes I just gotta sit down and I've got like you know design to do up and yeah, but it's you know what? It sounds it is it is work, but at the same time, if I wasn't drawing for work, I'd be drawing because I lost time. Yeah, like I'll, yeah. I'll put the podcast in my ears and stick some music in my ears, and I just draw. Or I have the TV on, I'm sitting on the couch with with my wife, just watching TV and just drawing at the same time. You know? Yeah. So right. for both of you, then there's no big struggle with workload or anything like that. You you seem to have over the years got the right balance in place now because both of you as you as you said have families yeah 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 i mean it lives and flows but generally for me anyway generally it's you know it's grand i mean when you've got kids you've got a busy life no matter what way you do it so like you just gotta try and keep the balance yeah yeah no, nothing happens spontaneously nowadays everything has to be pre <laughs> <laughs> unless yeah. your child decides to do something spontaneously which yeah is yeah right <laughs> the majority of your clients I suppose Marvin you're slightly different because you live in New York um, mm. would there be clients travelling to get ink done once in a while from other states um, yeah. I've had other people from other countries travel too which is such a such an a amazing and, and, and nerve wracking experience because <laughs> you want to make it worthwhile <laughs> yeah and how does that work then would they email you a rough concept and yeah. okay just yep. talk, talk uh, so yeah. they just yeah they just email me an idea and mm-hmm. uh if i'm lucky they just let me uh make art for them without much direction other than their ideas that's okay. how i strive um i don't i don't like too much instruction yeah i just like a, a loose idea mm-hmm. and and the freedom to design it and after a few years of doing that i've i feel like i've i've gotten enough of a reputation to uh they, they, people know my work or what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ross, same question. 
Yeah, yeah, I've got people come from, you know, I mean, obviously people from all over locally, but yeah, I've got people coming from abroad. I had a dude who came from Australia for a back piece. Wow. Did his whole back then? Yeah, what he was stayed over of? here. It was, oh God, what's her name? It was the work, the artwork of a lady who does this really cool, gothic, vampiric um, design work for like band t-shirts and band and like, album covers and all this kind of stuff. France is something, I can't remember her name, but it was a piece from one of her uh, pieces of artwork and it was just full back. So he stayed in, in Ireland for three months, I think. What? Wow. Yeah, yeah. he bounced around, he went over to the UK for some gigs and he hung out, he was staying with a friend of his and stuff. But yeah, apart from that, you'd get people who are like, people who are just coming on holidays, wanting to get tattooed in Ireland while they're here or sometimes people come specifically and then everyone else is from around. Mm. Yeah. How would you cost certain jobs? Is it just through, we'll say, this, the actual, the detail, the time it takes? Give me a rough idea. Yeah, it varies from, from piece to piece. It depends on the size of the piece and the interest yeah. of the piece. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of like how, how long is a piece of string. Um, mm. I, I Generally, I like to speak to my customers about all that when they're in studio, you know, because there's just so many variables yeah. that it's like sometimes people are ringing and go, I, I want to get this thing. And they're like, how, are you gonna, how much is it going to cost? And it's kind of like ringing up a car sales place going, I want a black car. How much is it going to cost? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, for me at the shop, I just do by the hour. I charge them an hourly rate. But when I am in tra traveling at conventions per se, um, so they're not watching their clocks while I'm tattooing them. I just give them a fixed price. Okay. And sometimes mm -hmm. I shoot myself in the foot and I undercharge or sometimes I overcharge. Yeah. Uh, it's, but, you know, you say a price and they say yes and you just go for it. Yeah. Conventions. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a different um, fish altogether, isn't it, Ross? Yeah. Yeah. Time, time seems to, it either, excuse me, it either stands still or it just vanishes when you're in a tattoo. Mm. you could be like two hours getting a stencil on that would normally take 10 minutes just because there's a lot of different things going on around you or sometimes you're just yeah it's it's, it's a bit of a time warp so <laughs> it changes yeah. the game entirely. and would the skin obviously play its part as well <laughs> customer skin oh yeah Yep. Sure, Maybe yeah. talk about that. Yeah, uh, I'd say uh, the healthier the person, the better their skins to to get tattooed. You okay. know, if, yeah. if the person's out drinking the night before and they come to you and or say they're like on vacation and they've been out in the sun, they've been drinking for a week and they come get tattooed by you. That's that's a headache. Wow, this is a different uh, side of things now that maybe people <laughs> didn't know. Okay. Or, or like you know, maybe you get a construction worker who's out in the sun all day long. Everybody wants to get tattooed, you know, so sometimes it's like leather. Yeah. I remember tattooing the back of a guy's neck. I think it was the first time I ever tattooed the back of a guy's neck. And he worked outdoors all the time. And it was like tattooing. It was like tattooing a saddle or something. It was just like, <laughs> gee. <laughs> <laughs> There's just blood everywhere. <laughs> yeah, blood and just no ink going in. Just like it was just tearing his neck back. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you look at your machine. You're like, what is this? This is what... <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic yeah. there's another thing uh just people have uh skin pigments molds and stuff how do you approach stuff like that do you tend to kind of say oh well maybe it's not a good idea to have it if there's a mole there yeah i just work around it okay i create i create a gutter around the mole 
you want mm-hmm. I, I just i just create a gutter you know uh, i show a little bit of space around the mall so i don't i don't tattoo all the way up to the mall okay yeah just so if they need to go see a dermatologist or something it's it's much easier to spot or i just yeah. generally if it protrudes over the skin if i can touch it and feel it i just don't tattoo over yeah. it yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Once so in a while, are... though, I'll see a whitehead or a pimple. I'll just go over it. <laughs> <laughs> Difficult customers, I presume. Well, I hope they're not as fucking as frequent as they were initially when the whole tattoo boom came out. Is it uh, an ongoing thing, like dealing with the public? As as I have known, doing various jobs is the worst fucking job in the world a lot of the time because people arrive in there, man, with fucking moods. Difficult customers, is there a way of dealing with them? Especially as a tattoo artist? When you're self-employed, you can just tell them to fuck off. Yeah, okay. Right. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I've, only, I've only ever had to do that maybe twice. Like, I, like I'm lucky. I work in a studio in a town that people come to to get tattooed and it's not like they're not walking in off the street generally. Yeah. Like if it was in a city, it's a different story. If you're in, if you're like in London, then there's just you're on a high street, and people just wander in. Yeah. That's when you're dealing with people. Not just because it's London, but you know that's an example yeah, yeah. where you're just you're just dealing with a large population of people, and they just wander in because they see a tattoo studio, and you can just get any crazy fucker. Whereas <laughs> generally in a in a custom tattoo studio, I don't know, if it's the same for you, Marvin. People they come to you because they're serious about getting tattooed, and they know what you want, what you're doing on them. So. Generally, for the most part, they're happy to get tattooed by you. They're happy for you to do the work, and they're cool. They're really cool. They're they're you yeah. know they're your kind of people. Like yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know, once in a while, you do get the art directors and can seem to yeah. relinquish a little bit of control. Yeah, but you know, you just kill them with kindness for a few <laughs> times. You know, a few sessions, and then sometimes you just really you just have to part ways. Yeah, you can't please yeah. everybody, and you just you just let them go. What about, again, you have to kind of use your sixth sense. Teenagers that come in off the cuff, hoping to get a tattoo and knowing full well that there's probably repercussions down, <laughs> down the road with their parents and stuff like that. Do you have to be the father figure to some of them and put the arm around the shoulder and go, is this a good idea or not? Like, has that occurred? Yeah, for me, yeah. Like, I, I, there's certain tattoos that I think somebody's too young. Like, if they're going to, an 18 year old or 19 year old person comes in looking for something on their neck or their father they've got no other tattoos or something or their, yeah like I'm just going to say no I'm just going to say look I don't I don't want to do something that could have a really negative impact on your life you know, I've, I've turned away yeah. Yeah, tattoo, sure. neck tattoos all that kind of stuff because I don't need to <laughs> and yeah. it's the bad you do for me like I'm like and I'm nice about it and I explain why and you know if they want to go and get tattooed somewhere else but you know, I don't want to. It's not my cup of tea, though. Yeah, right. At least it's off your conscience, right? Yeah, and you're not mm-hmm. trying to fucking make a quick buck off some fucking naive person. That yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, that that comes with fucking years of doing it anyway. You know, I mean, you could recognize, you could recognize the vulnerability in a, in somebody like that. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's finish it up. And um, what's your favorite place to? To travel and to tattooing, Marvin, over to you first. If dream uh, place uh, now, like a uh, dream place, yeah. Actually, uh, to travel to and to tattooing, uh, the, budget the... is not an option. Your everything is paid for. <laughs> I would love to go. I went to New Zealand a few years ago. Okay, to tattoo and really, uh, yeah. 
that was that was an amazing amazing experience mm. i actually got tattooed there in my finger oh class um but is that a maori weapon or something uh, yeah maori maori symbol I, I honestly i didn't know what it what it was i just went to an old fella and he i asked i said i want all four fingers tattooed and he goes we'll do one <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> But um, as far as uh, like like pretty, it was it's definitely a beautiful beautiful place to visit, and that that was a dream for me because I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. Oh, you so, did the tour, so, did you? I did. I went all. We rented my wife and I rented a car and just went all over. We did wow. the convention, which was only two days, and then we fucked off for two weeks. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So that's your dream. These are the things that tattooing can give you. Yes. If you allow it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Ross, favorite place to travel to um, and tattooing? I'd love to go to Japan. Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> I wanna get, yeah, I want to get tattooed in Japan. I want to get a proper Japanese tattoo in Japan. Um, just because it's it's one of the you know the meccas for especially for like mm. the kind of tattooing that we do now. Like a lot of us, we owe to Japanese people, like sleeves and back pieces and the, the blueprint for. Like modern day tattooing was set up yes. by the Japanese, like you know, and yeah. I, I just apart from the fact that I just love the culture, I love Japanese food, you know. But that's why that, that for both, I'd love to tattoo there, and I'd love to get tattooed there. Yeah. Had you the chance to ever travel there, Ross? No, I've never been to Japan. The farthest east I've been is Cambodia and Thailand. Okay. Um, but actually, back when I when I was still an apprentice, um, me and a friend of mine went over there. Jesus, nearly fucking 20 years ago. It was class, it was amazing. We went to like Angkor Wat in Cambodia, you know, there's big temples in the middle of the jungle and stuff. Yeah. We went and did all the islands and did like scuba diving. And it was an amazing experience. Like we went for, I think we went for seven weeks maybe altogether. But it was just going to the, like Southeast Asia, it was incredible. But I'd love to go further east. And so, like it's so far removed from our culture, yeah. like Western culture. I'd love to experience it. Like I love, I love going to places that are vastly different. Like if I go to, if I go to a country and I see something on the menu that I don't recognize, I want to eat that because I want to see what, what yeah. it is like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up about Japan and you know the historic culture. Um, is it something that both of you are fascinated in relation to your professions as tattooists? That Absolutely. you kind of look back to sometimes maybe to be inspired going forward would that be yeah absolutely okay yeah yeah i've become more of a geek for um over the last years i used to when i started first it was okay. just like yeah yeah cool but now i'm like the older i get the more i'm looking back on yeah it's just like and that makes sense though ross it does like it's yeah. the same as music i mean there's the more you play it there's a maturity that comes with recording and i'd like to think it's the same with with artists as well but as tattooists you're you're of the same ilk it's just where do you draw that well of inspiration from you know yep and marvin i mean ross name check there japan and the whole culture there is there any other culture there that you would be inspired by i mean i was in uh, the met um, in new york there last week and did this incredible egyptian display there oh yeah i love the met that's one of my favorite places to visit in New York. Yeah. yeah. Every time I go to the city, I go to the Met. 
Yeah. So actually, what I proposed to my wife is at the Met. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man, that's hard to beat. Like, it's that special place, the Eiffel you know? Tower, you know. But otherwise, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would love, I would love to go to Japan as well because there is uh, beauty in the simplicity and the thing, the ways they do, they do things. Mm-hmm. As far as just looking from the outside, I'm sure it's complex. You know, they make it look easy, but um, it's lasted centuries. You know, yeah, the, of course it has their methodologies and their artwork and everything, and and it's it still holds pretty strong. Yeah, like there's a big thing there as well, Ross, that the Irish can draw from is the Celtic culture, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I've been I've been trying to look into a lot more uh, Celtic mythology. Like Celtic mythology is just so rich and so vast. Like God Almighty, I'm still waiting for somebody to come out and make a proper like. Like Kieran and Oak or Coop Cullen movie or TV series, something yeah. with real, like, Jesus, it's like you see all these Vikings shows and all these yeah. Marvel superheroes and stuff, and there's like such a rich well to, to dive into there. Like. Yeah, I mean, um, Jim Fitzpatrick stuff with Tin Lizzy, lads, it's just iconic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of my claims to fame, actually. I was just designing years and years ago, I was approached by a lady who was doing it was a trip for Monster uh, Rugby team at the time. It was about God, 10 years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. They were looking at a few different artists to come up with, you know, they were asking different artists to come up with concepts. Design, okay. And I was one of the artists on the list, and so was Jim Fitzpatrick. Wow. <laughs> Are you serious? For months? Yeah, yeah, I just, you know, did, did what I did and said today that I wasn't successful. It wasn't a competition. It was like they just approached different artists. Yeah. And Jim, she said, oh, yeah, Jim Fitzpatrick is another one of the artists. And I was like, fuck, wow. man. That's man, yeah. you're punching above your weight there, kiddo. Yeah. Fucking hell, that's so good. Well, I lost. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't yeah, matter. I know, I know. So the last thing there, lads, where's the, the future in tattooing? What can it evolve to? Um, I know that you both said that you're using technology now that you wouldn't have fucking imagined maybe 10, 15 years ago to make your lives easier in relation to getting work done as such. But... Have any of you any ideas in relation to where it can advance to? I'm hoping that it kind of steps back to the retro ways again. Okay. So it's because I feel like it's losing its its uh, its magic, its spirit, because everybody wants the instant gratification with uh, social media and everything. Mm. I, I miss those days when everything was word of mouth and and they're passing around business cards and flyers and things like that. So I'm hoping that it goes back to where. People are sought after, and 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 collected. Yeah. As opposed to just oh, I want to get tattooed by this guy, and then I want to get tattooed by the next guy, and the next guy. Yeah, sure. There's money to be made, but the spirit is gone. Yes. Yeah. And that's the culture we're in. And you're you're spot on at the moment, Marvin. It's just like bang, 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 and yeah. move on, move on. Ross, right. I think robots are gonna learn how to tattoo and fucking kill as well. <laughs> AI, fuck off. AI. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I agree. I actually agree with Marvin. Like, it's a very, it's a cliche for, you know, older people to want things to go back to the way things used to be. We're all the same, ultimately, aren't they? Of a certain age, yeah. Oh, it was like that band when they weren't famous. But still, the idea is true. Like, the, the. I liked tattooing because it was not because it was underground, but I liked the the danger 
And I like when tattooing is like actually a friend of mine passed away the other day, a biker, one of, one of my first clients. His name was Henry, um, Henry O'Brien, the axe man. He was in um, Rebel Riders in Middleton. And he was one of my first ever clients. Henry was uh, like when I was 21, he was probably in his 40s and, or maybe late 30s, early 40s. And he was a big, intimidating, scary man, lovely guy. Mm. We were tattooing a Harley Davidson on the back of his hand. He's a fucking big, massive, meaty ends. And that was cool. Like, I mean, that was like, it was, it was like, it was like a cult. It was this underground little kind of club that we had. And I know I'd never go back to that, but that kind of feel at least um, mm. hopefully will come back and tattoos being what they were meant to be and something that, that you're going to have for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant stuff, lads. I'm going to end it with that. Uh, you know, it was an honour to, to finally get a show in relation to tattoos and metal. I know we didn't talk too much metal but i really wanted to get across how and proper professional tattoos will just spend an average day and you know what inspires you and ultimately your family men now and you know it's great to talk to you and just hear about your lives long may it continue and and thanks for coming on the show lads thank you very much thank you so much yeah so marvin how can people find your art so i am I'm on Instagram, uh, okay. Marvin Silva Tattoo is my okay. handle, right. and that's also my Twitter. I now have a Twitter account as well, which I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everything is MarvinSilvaTattoo.com. That's my website. I make it easy, easy for people to find. Excellent stuff, Ross. Yeah, uh, Ross uh, Daily Tattoos on Instagram and RossDailyTattoos.com, and there's links to Facebook, Instagram. I'm not on Twitter though. I just, I just find it fucking boring. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. I don't see the big well, deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's it, everybody. Listen, thanks again, Marvin and Ross, for coming on the show. Really appreciate taking the time to come in and explain your wonderful creations and artwork. And uh, long may it continue, and long may you bring happiness to people's lives through your art. Thank you, lads. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you.